Hey everybody, welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy Stanley, and before we jump into today's content, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Belay. Now, if you've listened to our podcast in the past, you know I've talked about Belay before. Several of my friends and associates use this incredible organization. Belay offers five-star virtual assistant services and virtual bookkeeping for churches, nonprofits, and businesses. But what you may not know about Belay is the level of excellence they strive for and achieve in their business. In fact, they've won several awards for their virtual culture, but I want to be clear, their culture is 100% remote. That's what makes them such an unusual organization. There is no brick-and-mortar corporate office location. So when they say they know how to set people up for excellence when working remotely, they are living it every single day. They are the leader in creating high-performance remote teams both within their own organization and for their clients, and they would love for you to be one of their clients. Now, for all of our podcast listeners, Belay is offering their free download of 13 ways to build a high-performing remote team. It's filled with tips on how to keep your remote team performing as if everybody is in the office together. And you can download it at their website, which is belaysolutions.com belaysolutions.com slash Andy. That's belaysolutions, B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash Andy. And now let's jump into today's content on the topic of excellence. I'm excited this month because I get to be the host and I have my friend Horst Schultze in the studio with me to talk about his brand new book, Excellence Wins. And specifically, we're going to talk about the topic of vision. Hey, thanks for joining us, Horst. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and having you back. This is this is pretty exciting. Now, if you heard my previous conversations with Horst, I don't know, two or three years ago, um, you'll know that we actually met 25 years ago. That's you, correct. Yeah, 25 years ago. Um, he was already a legend in the hotel um, b- um, industry um, back then. And my interaction with him was I had just read The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey. In that book, when Stephen Covey talked about mission statements and vision, remember he used the Ritz-Carlton That's correct, yeah. as uh, an example. And he talked about Bellman having mission statements. Yes. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, how do you get a Bellman? Because in my thinking, and you're going to correct that in a minute, a Bellman isn't something anyone would aspire to do. This seemed like a part-time job while you were in college, and I was woefully wrong. And so I – was curious about how does an organization how did they how do they take the mission and drive it so deep into the organization that even a bellman would have a mission statement and so a, a mutual friend of ours um, worked it out for me to sit in while you horse gave training to the at the Ritz Carlton um, to maids um, cooks bellmen and I think there might have been another category of people in that meeting and yes. uh, you I, I, I then I saw the magic and I realized it's true that Horst Schulte is the magic of the Ritz-Carlton so if you've ever <laughs> stayed in a Ritz-Carlton you're about to hear from the gentleman that really set the standard and set the tone and then the next day I came back Horst you don't, probably don't know about this and I sat in the back of another training you did this time it was for managers for managers, for managers. Yes. and it, so so you went from the cooks and the bellmen and the maids to the managers and I remember you you are a different person. And I, I learned a valuable leadership lesson then that as a leader, not only do we have to craft our messaging to our audience, but we have to craft our style as well. Yes. And you, were, um, you did an extraordinary, um, extraordinary job. 
Uh, just so you know, and then I'm going to let you do the rest of the talking. Uh, Horst's uh, career spans more than 65 years and includes, most notably, his time as the president and COO, as I mentioned, of the Ritz-Carlton. Um, he's also founded a brand-new hotel group called the Capella Hotel Group that further defines and redefines, as, as many of you know, um, the luxury hotel industry. I'm always tempted to ask authors how long it takes them or took them to write their book. And in this case, I already know it took you your whole life to write this that book. That is correct. <laughs> and because there's so much of your life in this book. Um, so in Excellence Wins, you, you begin with the introduction of your of your childhood. In fact, the, the introduction of the book is called A Boy with a Dream. So would you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got interested in the hotel industry? And as I said earlier, when, before we started, I actually remember you telling this story live that day as I stood in that training and watched you take your story and um, increase or elevate the status of the men and women in that room that day, and it was extraordinary. So how did you get involved, or how did you get interested in the hotel business? First, by the way, uh, Andy, I do remember your visit uh, oh, you at the do? time. <laughs> yes, to Bucket, the hotel, for sure. Uh, well, it, it is a boy with a dream, and the reason why I tell the story of what my thinking as a boy is because it is kind of the background of what has become ever since. I got, and, and I explained, I come from a very small village in Germany and uh, established, I said, in the school when I was 11 years old, I wanted to work in the hotel business. When you were 11? 11, yes. And in the book, you said there wasn't <coughs> even a nice hotel in your town. There was none. I had never been in a hotel. There was <laughs> you, you'd never been in a hotel. I don't know where it came from. My parents <laughs> don't know where it came from. But at the time when everybody went into technical jobs, that was nearly an embarrassment. In fact, my grandfather was embarrassed and told me not to tell anybody. That you wanted to be in the that hotel. That I wanted to be in a hotel business. So this went on. I kept on insisting and begging and, 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 and so on. And finally, my parents looked into it and found through a government agency how to get into a career and uh, start in the bottom and work in a great hotel. And they looked for a job in a great hotel and found the best hotel in the region. That was an important point, uh, that, which was about 100 kilometers away. At that time, that was very far. Wow, yeah. And so, I, uh, with 14, I left. Fourteen. Fourteen. I left home and lived consequently in the hotel in a dorm room with a few other kids that started at the same time and worked as a busboy. Mm. And the first job was cleaning ashtrays. Yeah, that's in your book. And <laughs> yeah, I, you know, when you think about starting at the bottom, yeah. cleaning ashtrays, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that's as low as you can go or you can well, begin. And well, you were 14. I was 14, And yes. you knew then this is what you wanted that's to do. That's what I wanted to do. I, I begged and, and uh, finally my parents went. But before my mother told me that, everybody, because it was the finest hotel in the region, I was told by everybody, oh, we could never go there. This is only for very important ladies and gentlemen, etc. In fact, when I started there, the general manager told me the same thing. I was lucky there was a major d the man that was re responsible for all the food and beverage operation of the right. hotel, really. And major d he welcomed us and told us very early, do not come to work to work, but come here to create excellence. Hmm. Well, believe me, at that time, that went over my head. Excellence in washing dishes and cleaning ashtrays. I couldn't <laughs> kind, kind of relate that. I enjoyed my surrounding where I worked. But... Working there and, and learning more and more about excellence with this major D. And by the way, Wednesdays, I went to hotel school. That was normal German 
upbringing. You work in your business. One time a week, you go to a school of your metier, of your business. Mm -hmm. So that was Wednesdays. And after two years, I was just about 16, I was asked to write an essay, all of us in the class, obviously, what we now think about our business, hotel business. All the kids from the area came to that hotel school that worked in hotel business or restaurant business. So going back to work, I was, of course, thinking, what am I going to write about? Mm -hmm. And that night working in the restaurant, the majority entered, and I could feel when he entered. You could feel when he entered. He, he was he such had a, a presence. He had presence. It was mm -hmm. unbelievable. He would have never entered unless he looked perfect. Everything he did was excellence. And I was a great admirer, obviously, of him. When I saw him approach a table that night, and I've seen it before, but I never registered it clearly. And I realized the guests under table were proud that he came to them. Mm. I said, wait a minute. That's a reversal. We are the servants and there are the important ladies and gentlemen. When I contemplated that night about it, I wrote my essay around it and named that essay, We Are Ladies and Gentlemen. If we are excellent in what we are doing, we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And I told the story in there that we can define ourselves as excellent. If we are excellent what we do, we will be respected as he was by the guest I right. could see all around it. So uh, delivering the essay and then coming a week later to school, it was a big hit. Hmm. It, I had the only A I ever had received. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was the only A ever in my life. And... It did, in fact, the teacher had the other teacher from other classes there to read my essay. Wow. So it impacted me yep. tremendously. I would have possibly forgotten about it, but it stayed with me. This And my own interpretation of creating excellence, my own interpretation that we define ourselves, that we can define ourselves as ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Serving ladies and gentlemen. Serving ladies and gentlemen. And, and you know what? When <clears throat> I was thinking about our time together, I wrote down two or three things that I still remember 25 years ago. And I remember you delivering that line to that group of maids and bellmen and um, you know people who had really come to the service side of the service yes. um, uh, to, to serve in the hotel. And I went home that afternoon and told Sandra, I said, we're la ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And then when I read this part of the, your book, yeah. you coined that when you were 16 years yes. old. Yeah. And yeah. that has become an yeah. industry statement, not just in the oh, Ritz-Carlton yeah. oh, Hotels, yeah. sure. but in the industry. So, you, know, you know, it, it is sim simply we are ladies and gentlemen if we do it right. Right. Or, or we sentence ourselves not to be, to be servants. Yeah. And that's like I told at the time the, the employees, you're not servants. You're ladies and gentlemen, servant ladies and gentlemen, unless you sentence yourself yep. to be a servant. Yeah, those are foundational times. Again, you need to get the book um, and read the book, especially Excellence Wins, because the, the introduction to the book is so powerful. So what, what I want to do, Horst, in our time together, we're going to do this month's podcast, and you've agreed to join us next month as well, sure. is there, the book is divided in, into three sections. Um, they're serving your customers, which we talked about last time you were with us, engaging your employees, which is a powerful section. But I want us to spend our time um, talking about building true leadership, because because the third section of this book, yeah. as it relates to leadership, is so powerful. In fact, the third section 
is definitely worth the price of the book. Each, each of these sections are, but I, I resonated so much with that. So I'd like for us to kind of skip ahead, if it's okay, to the, no, sure. to the third section of the book. And to set the stage and to sort of draw back into the broader context, give us um, your take on the difference between management and leadership, because this is such an important point that you make in the book, there's, management and leadership. There's a lot of rhetoric about those things. A but, lot. And, Books and, have been uh, written about uh, that uh, one topic. Exactly. And, and and the fact is, when you go out there, and I, 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 at one time, I have to give you a background here, when I worked for another company, I studied who are the managers and who are the leaders. There were 65 general managers. Hmm. After three three years of analyzing this. Now, mind you, unscientific, my analysis. So I don't know how, how right I am, but I was very close. I came to the conclusion of the 65, there were 60 managers and five leaders. Mm. And the 60 managers was quite successful, some of them. And, and managers manage processes, force things to happen. They manage function, they manage processes and, and, and ideas but they do not lead people. Now, leaders also manage, but they also create an environment in which employees want to do the job that is set out to do. And there's a huge difference. So, in other words, the manager forces that the employees do the job. The manager, the leader, creates an environment in which they want to do it. They're aligned. They enjoy doing it. They're part and included with getting people to want to do something rather than forcing them is getting them to really sincerely embrace the vision of the organization. Yeah. And this, is, this again, is what drew me to the Ritz-Carlton all those years ago was this whole idea of mission and vision. So talk a that's little right. bit about that as it yeah. relates to the excellence. Yeah. I, I think this is a key element to talk about, in fact, or, or to, to write about and, and discuss and be, and, and be out there because, uh, unfortunately, when as companies, when we hire people, we hire people to fulfill a certain function. In my case, to make beds, to cook, to, to check people in and so on. But in a way, I find that in a way immoral. We, we should invite employees to, after all, we, they're human beings. The chairs on which we're sitting right now is fulfilling a function, mm -hmm. but we're dealing with human beings. We, we should invite them to be part of something. What are they part of? They're part of a vision. We should, and we, when we establish as leaders that vision, where we're going to go, where the journey, and we take them, the employees on a journey toward that vision. In our case, the vision simply was to be the absolute global leader in the service industry. Yeah, and this is so interesting. We talked about this last time, too. Your vision wasn't to be the, the global leader in the hotel industry. No. In the service industry. That's correct. Which was an enormous goal or something to shoot yeah, for. Because, I, I, frankly, I, I intended that, that service is part of any organization. Yep. I, I thought that one day Ritz-Carlton would have cruise ships and maybe even airline, <laughs> whatever. Yep. So I want to leave that open yeah. and be known as the leader in the service industry. And that was the vision. And we invited them. But, but understand, it's not enough to have a vision. We can write a management or leadership can write a vision on the wall. It has to, the, the question a real leader has, and again, that's a leader, not a manager. The leader has, is this vision good for all concerned? Mm -hmm. Is it good for the investor? Is it good for the customer? Is it good for the employee? Is it supporting society? Once that is clearly established, from there on, I should hire people, select people, mm -hmm. to join me in that vision. Not to come just to fulfill a function, but the function is only there to accomplish that vision. With other words, leadership gives, gives purpose to people. Yep. 
gives purpose and gives a sense of belonging. Because if I'm, if I'm hiring you to join me in a certain vision, you suddenly become part of the organization. I have to align you. And there, there are those buzzwords, alignment, empowerment. They're, all, mm -hmm. they're only buzzwords. If, if the employee doesn't know why we do things in the first place, where does this, does this journey take us? They're not aligned. That's amazing, Horst. Well, before we move on to the next section, um, as I mentioned at the top of our broadcast, Belay is our sponsor, and they're actually offering a free download entitled 13 Ways to Build a High-Performing Remote Team. So you can create high-performing remote teams in your organization. If your folks are scattered around the country or maybe just scattered around a part of your city, Belay is your solution. You can download the tool and find out more about Belay at Belay belaysolutions.com slash Andy. That's belaysolutions, B-E-L-A-Y dot com slash Andy. In the book you talk about, there's a tendency sometimes to kind of dismiss the importance of mission and vision, that it's just oh, yeah. words. It's just something that, you know, the, uh, you know, executives come up with and then everybody has to just go back to work. And you do an extraordinary <laughs> job talking about why it's not only is mission and vision important, but why it's important to to create an environment, as you said, where people are actually invited in and they personally own this. And I think yeah. this is one of the biggest challenges in leadership, that not is, getting the words well, right. But it is that is leadership. Yeah. <laughs> that, but that is leadership. That's exactly right. That is leadership. <laughs> and to some extent, that is a difference between managing people and leading people toward a specific mission or vision. What is even true out there that um, most companies are confused between of the difference between vision and yeah, yeah, distinguish those for us. Yeah. Well, mission is what you do today. We are excellent in delivering service and as a hotel and so on, etc. And so on. By being friendly, we're always reliable and so on. That's a vi mission. Vision is where does that mission take you? That means in 10 years or whatever, mm -hmm. we are the global leader in what we're doing. And that's a vision. That's a dream that you establish. A dream that, again, must be consistently good for all concerned. Now I can invite you. Now now I can hire you. How can I hire you? What am I hiring you for before that? Before I had a vision. I wanted just to work here instead of joining me in a, yep. on a journey that is of great value. Now, once I established the vision, I in order to have the, the employee buy in, I have to give him my, my motive, the organization's motive for that vision. In order to grow, that means you, the employee, can grow. I'm connecting my motive with the motive of the employee right. and show the employee this, the, my motives are the same than yours. Can you talk a little bit about how you did that in the ah, service industry? Yes. Because one of the things I remember standing there that day, and, and correct me if I don't say this the way you said it, but it was so – here's how I remember it. You said, we didn't hire you. We selected oh, you. Yes. And you used yes. that word just a few minutes oh, ago. Yes. We selected you. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I sat there. I wanted to go to work for you. I, 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 I thought I would like <laughs> you to – You were lucky you didn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was so empowering. It was so yeah. empowering. And again, these were men and women who were going to do the low-level service jobs, but it was That's so true. empowering. So yes. talk a little bit about well, that. Well, that's one of the problems we just hire people. That's why, we, 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 with other words, in particular today, today in the industry all over, but in the hotel industry always, there's, there isn't a hotel in the United States who is not looking for people. And so, so what do we do? The next guy that comes along, we hire them. If they can work to walk 20 feet without falling down because they're too <laughs> drunk, we hire them. Now, now, of course, obviously, it's slightly exaggerated, but at the same time, it's nearly there. Now, 
no wonder we have a heavy turnover. But if I'm going to select, so what we did, we, de we developed a profile for each job category, and we hired against that profile. Right. We selected against the profile, so we knew that employee fits, has the talent to do this job well, and consequently, we feel happy in that particular job. And that's what empowers you to be honest and say you were selected. That's I mean, oh, there exactly. Were, there were, we said no to 10 to say yes to you, you were selected. Consequently, and in fact, that was the average. We... We interviewed 10 before we hired one mm. in the average uh, uh, around the world. But that's why our turnover was much uh, uh, the example. What is the success in that? The industry turnover at the time was 120% oh annually. Imagine that. Yeah. Everything that you teach walks right back out of the door. Right. Our turnover was around 20%. We didn't pay more. Or, or, you just hired or we, better. We, we just hired better <laughs> yeah. and, of course, also aligned better. We made them feel part of something. People want to feel part of something. You mentioned alignment. And, again, this is, you know, every organization is, is I believe, is constantly in the process of getting out of alignment. It's a, it's a constant job to keep things aligned. How does that, again, fit with excellence and the, the whole idea of mission well, and vision? Well, again, uh, alignment means you align every employee to the vision and mission to the organization. So, but everybody knows it. So, mm -hmm. with other words, you have to teach it from first day on and keep on teaching what is the objective of the company and why. And, of course, constantly connect the objective of the employee to it. And, and, and leaders get tired time, of that. Oh, no, you we, cannot we, get we, tired. Well, and, but we think, oh, I already said that. I already said that. I've, uh, I've already explained that. Well, it, that is exactly what why it breaks down, because people feel embarrassed to repeat it again. And what I gave, I think last time I was example, so I asked my manager when I found out that they don't do it because they're embarrassed to do it again. Wait a minute, do you know what Coca-Cola is? And everybody said, sure. I said, why, why are they not getting tired to advertise? Why do they still spend billions to advertise it? Because you has to have to keep it top of mind. Mm. And so, so this repeating, that's alignment. And, and at the same time, teach and align the organization behind the expectation of your customers. Say that so one more time. At the same time, as you align people behind the objective of the organization, you have to align the, or the employees behind the expectation of the customer. Everybody should know what do our guests expect from us? Mm. What do they want from us? You talk a lot about that in the book. In fact, you differentiate between, uh, you know, there's the old saying, um, find a, figure out what you love and then do it. Yes. And you say, no, figure out what your customer, customer wants, wants and, and provide it. And provide Big it. Big difference. That's right. Um, okay, so that kind of sets the standard and sort of paints the picture for where we're going. Um, so now that we have a few definitions, I want to go specifically to what you talk about in the, in the book when you talk about the vision actually requiring four decisions. I feel like these were so powerful. And I think... Um, in terms of this third section of the book, it's it, it's sort of the meat of this. And as I told you earlier, as I read the book, I was trying to think up questions for the podcast. Yeah. At the same time, copious notes about, oh, my gosh, I, I've, I've allowed these things to s slip off the radar because it's so difficult to keep these things front yeah. and center. So I love the way that you stated these. So I'll just feed them to you, and you, you yeah, just sure, talk about them. Sure. Okay. So number one, you talk about strive to inspire because employees are important. And if the environment isn't the environment they want to work in, you're not going to keep great people. So talk about strive to inspire. Well, 
Well, that, that uh, that's precisely is what we, what we do in striving to. First of all, what you do about we have a meeting before every shift every day, no matter what. Every day cannot go to work without us communicating again with the, with the uh, with the employee about the expectation of the customers. We done supported with letters from guests that enjoyed a certain service and constantly connect the employees. To what the was the guest wants mm. and create an excitement around it. We we constantly inform the employees to where the company is going. A new hotel that was just signed up in China. Connect them constantly and and inspire them to be part of something, not just work for something, but be part. That was the key of inspiring and that we are moving closer and closer to this aspiration of being known as the very best in in the world in service, which would create value to every employee because yep. in that moment, that employee is defined also. Not only I as the leader, we are defined, they're defining themselves as being part of something excellent and consequently be excellent. So this whole constantly, constantly talk to the, to the employees, not once in a while, every day we have a moment before to, every to communicate, shift. before every shift. Yep. So this is a, 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 so not just talking to them to do the job better, but applaud, applaud if something extraordinary. And why happened. why don't leaders do that? Because everybody listening to you is like, "Yep, you're right, you're right, you're right," <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't happen consistently. What what is what is the enemy of that happening? What what gets in the way of that? In your experience, uh, well, that again is the difference between management and leadership, mm. <laughs> because because the difference is because the large percentage of of so-called leaders are managers, really. They manage a process. They're constantly trying to improve the process. They try, try to beat the results home. And it's, it's society that creates this. And goodness, they concentrate. What does do managers do today? They concentrate on money, rather on the things that make money. Hmm. And that's and one of the big problems. Under this, this first one in your book, you, you, you wrote, I will create an environment where people want to do a good job. I will invite, not dictate. I will get results by inspiring, not by controlling or mandating. That's it. That's yeah. that's a powerful statement. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The second one, I, we well, can the, talk well, the about. The manager controls. That's, again, it, that's, that's the thing. Yep. That's a big differentiator. Uh, second one is don't settle for less. I won't settle for less than the vision. This yeah. was very convicting to me, honestly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, how easy, how easy to find excuses. It is easier, it's often easier to, to find excuses and to compromise than to stick at the vision that you have. You cannot compromise your vision. You stick with it. You, you focus on it. You look at it. And it should be the, the, the reason why you go to work. It's not the functions of today. It, but it, you're going to fulfill those functions in order to accomplish this vision, which is beautiful, which is desirable, which is fulfilling for all. I think this is important and it's difficult. So you're saying on a daily basis, the inspiration is usually tied more to the vision than the mission. And that's and the point. And to tie, to tie, to try to tie inspiration to a mission, it just becomes, it becomes management versus leadership. Is that's that correct? Right. Exactly. The mission is only there to accomplish the vision again. And that's how the, the mission should be written. The vision is something so beautiful, so desirable, something that you surely, if you accomplish it, you would. Would you be proud of it? Yes. Mm. Would everybody be proud of it? Yes. So everything you do, and would you, now, as a business now, for everybody that has to make a buck out there, to be very clear, 
the vision will make you more money than anything ever will make money. Mm. It, it will make money. If I'm the best in what I'm doing, I'm making more money. Right. But otherwise, it is concentration on what will make the money and not under money. The vision is something beautiful for everybody. That's amazing. So even the mission supports you toward the vision. So here's a question for our, our listeners, <laughs> and, and I'm, at, I'm talking to myself as well, is do we all have a beautiful vision for the future? And uh, again, when you think about nonprofits, that seems a little bit easier. But you are in a, you know, bottom line uh, for-profit industry, yeah. and yet felt the. And I heard it. I saw. I experienced it, and and felt comfortable using the word beautiful as you think about yeah. this vision, because that's what people want. So to recap, uh, vision requires four decisions. We've talked about strive to inspire, don't settle for less, and unfortunately, we're out of time. I knew we were going to run out of time. So next month, we're going to pick it up there with decisions number three and number four. So once again, Horace. Thanks so much for being here. I'm looking forward to next month's conversation. In the meantime, on podcast listeners, you don't have to wait till next month. You can right now, wherever you, you purchase books, find Excellence Wins, Excellence Wins by Horst Schultze. And if Horst is a is a not a familiar name to you, his last name is spelled S-C-H-U-L-Z-E. So pick up the book, join us next month, and we will complete this fabulous conversation. Thanks, Horst. Thank you, Andy.